0: I'm Kate Northrup
1: and I'm Mike Watts and we're partners in life, love and business.
0: Welcome to the Kate and Mike show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization and making a life, not just a living. Welcome to the show today. Hi, it's Kate.
1: This is Mike.
0: And we have a really interesting interview for you today. We just got finished recording it. And I have to say, I always learn so much from my friend, Elisa Vitti. So she is a hormonal health expert and she is really cracking the code and revolutionizing the way that women specifically relate to our bodies and The way that our bodies can support us in our sexuality, in our productivity, in our creativity and in our vitality. But she also shared some really interesting stuff about men's cycles as well and how to tap into that. So I'll read her bio. We have her official bio. Elisa Vitti, HHC is a functional nutritionist, women's hormone expert, best-selling author of Woman Code, which is a book that I really love, and the founder of flowliving.com, a virtual health center that has been treating the root causes of hormonal imbalance and supporting women's hormonal and reproductive health for over a decade and just launched My Flow, a period tracker designed to help users fix symptoms and schedule their lives according to their cycles. And that's That is my preferred period tracking app, by the way, MyFlow, M-Y-F-L-O. She is the creator of the, oh, excuse me, of the Cycle Syncing Protocol, a female-centric diet and lifestyle program that leverages hormonal patterns for optimal health. And I have to tell you, cycle syncing and, you know, you if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I've just gotten really excited about tracking my own cycle, tracking the moon and tapping into cyclical nature. And it's something we talk about a lot in Origin. So elisa has been one of my greatest teachers. So cycle syncing. She's also the creator of the Period Type Quiz, which is a diagnostic tool any woman can use to understand what her period color tells her about her hormones in any given month. Isn't that fascinating? And I saw her actually do that spiel on the Dr. Oz show. They actually had little bowls of different... You know, different ways that your period could look. They use like food coloring and different foods to show. And it was a little edgy, I have to say. And Elisa's always been a little that way. And I love that. She's a graduate of Johns Hopkins University and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Elisa has been featured on the Dr. Oz show, has a web series on Lifetime, and has been a regular contributor for CBS, Fox, Shape, Women's Health, Mind, Body, Green, and the Huffington Post. She has served on the Yahoo Health Advisory Board and is a member of the Well and Good Wellness Council. She's also an advisor to several. Health and health tech startup. She has presented at TEDx, Talks at Google, Summit Series Outside, Hay House, WIE Symposium, and She Summit. So, Elisa is a total rock star and she has some of the biggest ovaries of any woman I've ever met. So, hon, what were your takeaways from this interview?
1: So, I really liked it because as a guy, I was thinking about this during the interview and I said, Why don't I know this information? Because we were talking about just having your period. We heard a lot of Elisa's story, which is pretty remarkable. She kind of answered that question, like why this isn't common knowledge and stuff. And then also just the cycles of the difference between how women cycle on a monthly basis and how men cycle on a dot, dot, dot. You'll have to listen to the. I said,
0: almost gave it away. You almost gave it away.
1: And you should listen in the interview. You should listen to, to the interview. How men cycle. Yeah. And that was really fascinating because I've started studying this a little bit more. The more and more Kate has become comfortable, really, with her own cycle and sharing with me, we do the Flow app, My Flow app that Kate was talking about and then every month or every week, depending on where it is in Kate's cycle, I get an email says what's going on. I was gonna tell it's a little long, like not gonna lie. Like I would love bullet points. If it just said like do this check do this. It goes into pretty much in depth, but it's for I'll do the bullet point version for you, hon. Yeah, that would be great. So I think from there, it's informative though. Like it's giving me a place of information. But the biggest thing to answer my own question was about like, why don't I already know this information? Like Because when I think about it and hear her talk about it, it makes co- it's common sense to me, right? Like, it just makes complete sense. But the reality is, women don't even know this information. So how the heck am I supposed to know this information? And that's really what her work has been about. And we're told, you know, it's when you go back, when, we, when Kate was pregnant, we started studying birth a lot more. And I, the more and more you dive in the history of birth, how it was a disease, or women were treated really poorly and just like tied down to tables when they were in labor like all of this crazy crazy like really crazy stuff took place. So, it's like I can see why I don't understand this information. So, I was that was super helpful just to get some clarity on that for education, like the education that she's giving you that you've learned and other the thousands and thousands of women she's helped cuz we're told by not everyone is up on the knowledge. So, it was good to hear from her perspective of what that was like and then I also just enjoyed hearing about we talked really at length about just the birth control pill in itself because that was a lot of things that I didn't quite understand so it wasn't like this isn't a bashing episode you know some people might be like oh well bashing certain things in here no it was just it was information gathering episode is what it was and I know we're going to have a part two for sure in the future because if you guys like this information like what she's talking about we could definitely bring her back because there's a lot more information that we can talk about we had to cut it short due to other Time activities that we had going on, so yeah, I think that's what I learned.
0: Awesome! So, you know, this episode is particularly for any woman who has struggled with hormonal health, whether it's just your basic PMS symptoms, whether it's endometriosis, PCOS, heavy bleeding, irregular cycles, estrogen dominance. Like, this episode is going to really help you if you know a woman who has struggled with any of those things or is struggling. Elisa has the solutions to these things and it's not medicating them to just cover them up. And she really knows how to send the root cause into remission and it's super powerful stuff. And then I agree. I do want to have a part two to tap a little bit more into cycle syncing and how you can become a power source as a woman and as a man, because we have a lot more to dive into because Elisa, while her whole business is about women's hormonal health, she is a total hormone nerd and knows all about men's hormonal health too. So it's really, really fascinating stuff. And our hormones are running so much of our lives and we don't realize it. And so this episode is going to teach you how to tap into that as a power source as opposed to as a source of pain or discomfort or even shame. Because I think for a lot of women, menstruation can be a source of shame. So this is a super powerful episode. Please enjoy and let's play it. Hello, and welcome to The Kate and Mike Show. I'm Kate.
1: This is Mike.
0: And hi, Elisa. Hi. Thanks for being here.
2: (laughs) I'm so happy to be here.
0: So Elisa and I met many, many moons ago when we were both single 20-somethings. I remember your 30th birthday party actually really well. Like just, you know, just hanging out. We met at Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts back when Regina used to teach her classes in the living room of her brownstone on the Upper West Side in New York City, and just like totally hit it off immediately. And Elisa, I already talked about in the intro, you know, kind of all of her accolades, but one of the things that I so appreciate about you, Elisa, is that you are unapologetically about the power of the female body, specifically, unapologetically, unabashedly (laughs) pro-period.
2: Is that I, mean, true? I, am, I am definitely pro hormone for women understanding their hormones, women understanding how their hormones affect them. And I also think it's just so essential that women have an education about how they work, how to care for them, how not to have symptoms kind of run their bodies into a place of fatigue. And then once you get the balance to yeah, use those innate biochemical signals to help you be more successful.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things in the subtitle of your book, Woman Code, my favorite part of the title is becoming a power source or become a power source. And, you know, as opposed to this idea of getting power elsewhere, actually tapping into how your own body can become a power source. So we're going to take people on a walk through their hormonal reality, specifically women, although you actually know more about men's hormonal health than you. So we can go there too. But I want to start out with, can you talk to me about that funny story about you in your childhood and how you kind of came across your life's work?
2: Uh, So I guess you're talking about my first day of sex ed. Yes,
0: I think so. (laughs) I think so. Well, tell that story and I'll make sure it's the same story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean unbeknownst to me, one day I show up in sixth grade and we're doing sex ed that day. And you know, it's the first module where they're just telling you that, okay, you're a girl, you're going to start getting a period and, you know, tampons, condoms don't get pregnant. Good luck. Anyway, I sort of didn't really have a response to the second half but that first part. That was the first time I had really known that that was about to happen, you know, because my parents didn't talk about it. My mom didn't talk about it. And I was like gobsmacked. I was like looking around the room like I was so excited, like, are you kidding me? I'm gonna have a period, I'm gonna be able to make babies, I'm gonna bleed every month, I'm not gonna die. (laughs) This is unbelievable. You know, and I'm looking around the room like everyone else is like, you know, horrified looks on their faces and or just kind of annoyed looks and that was my genuine response having not been precondition to think about it in any way was just really like unabashed excitement and glee, glee, giddy glee, you know, and, and all my other friends were like, you know, or whatever version (laughs) of that. And so I grabbed my three best girlfriends, Katie, Chris and Melissa, and we went outside for recess. And I was like, oh my god that's it we're starting a period club who knows when we're gonna get our period first you know who which one of us and we had this like random wall that just was sticking out from one of the parts of the building and we would sit there and guess which one of us was gonna get our period first and we'd make bathroom runs during recess like but to, to check period check <laughs> to check oh my god that's or amazing. You know, like, oh, I think I because we didn't know what it was going to feel like to get it. So we'd be like, randomly, one person would be kind of unspoken, responsible for being the one that day that was going to say, oh, I think maybe it's me. And then we'd run to the, it was kind of like, this, <laughs> we didn't discuss it, but it just sort of happened. So we would run to the bathroom, three of us would wait outside, and the one would be in the stall. And, you know, we'd be like, well, <laughs> and like,
1: uh, what did yeah. you do to like, how were you checking? Like what were you doing?
0: Well you just see if there's you have blood. Yeah. Oh, all right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I didn't know if there was something like
2: Yeah, yeah. there's no I think no,
1: we were not doing any exams. It was just the girl herself.
2: <laughs> just the girl into checking to the stall to take a pee and see what was going on. But <laughs> I actually did predict who was gonna get it in order. And what I didn't realize that I was doing at that time was sort of doing like visual diagnosis on the effects of, you know, sort of hormones on a body and seeing who is a little bit more advanced. I just didn't think I was going to be so dead last in the heat.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that. If you don't mind sharing your story, because it's pretty powerful.
2: Well, you know, from 12 to 22, when most people are getting their first period and then going through the experience of, you know, having some irregularity with their cycle, which is normal as you go. Wait, you
1: said 12 to 22?
2: 12 to 22 is the decade in which the brain, the pituitary gland and the ovary, the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian access is being established and defining its really good hormonal conversation and perfecting the cascade that creates a regular ovulation and a regular menstrual cycle. And that takes a good long time. So oh. women have a lot of irregularities, not a lot, just It's normal. It should be thought of as part of the journey of puberty from 12 to 22, where you may have some irregularities, you may have some symptoms. And what we should be thinking, and again, with the right information, which is what we do at the Flow Living Hormone Center, is to make sure that you would say, okay, great. So there isn't something that's wrong that I need to now be putting myself on the pill for. This is a great opportunity while I'm young, while my body is so hormonally quick to be resilient, to take right action. To use food medicinally to improve that hormonal conversation, right? Instead of what most women think, which is that somehow they're born with a deficiency in synthetic hormones, right? Like, oh, what's wrong with me is that I need synthetic hormones. That is, could not be further from the truth. And
0: for those of you who don't know what that means, we're basically talking about the birth control pill,
2: the pill and other the things, ring and any so device, implant, injection. Right. The pill. I mean, there's so many of them all the now things. that all the things that deliver synthetic hormone replacement you're not created deficient in that. You were created to be a perfect creation machine and those hormones are supporting that. So anyway, I back at my ovaries
1: was oh, not yeah. having
2: that happen. Oh, can we go. talk
1: before we dive into the, it's so good story. to have
0: Mike here because as a child raised by a gynecologist, I have an above average understanding of the hormonal yeah. system or endocrine system. Well, you are, and it's yeah. so good to have Mike here to have clarified yeah. questions. Cause that way All you these- and I won't geek out too hard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny because all the things that we do these days is like, Kate was like, oh, I did that when I was five. You know, it's just like all these things I'm learning now. So, okay, so what is the purpose of the pill then? Because I thought the pill was to mm. stop having your period. That's right. Right?
2: Yes. The pill. But the sometimes pill or-
1: people are using the pill to start a period. No, people
2: are prescribing young girls during puberty, as young as 13 now, which is historically unprecedented, unstudied, and frankly, unsafe long term, to use the pill to manage PMS, frankly, acne, cramps. Sometimes teen girls want to take the pill because they're like, you know, have a lot of sports obligations and they don't want to not know when their period is coming. And so they take it to have a predictable calendar. And, you know, here's the deal. Whenever I'm having conversations with women who are trying to deal with their hormonal issues, and they've been on the pill for 10 to 15 years, I asked this question, I said, if you had known, if you had been presented both pieces of information. When your doctor was telling you that the pill was an option, that one, you could take the pill, but the pill was gonna shut down the hypothalamic, pituitary, ovarian conversation, and that it might have future impact on your health and fertility, or that you could take three months to change your diet and actually resolve the root causes of the symptoms that you're experiencing today, because the pill doesn't actually solve the root, the causes of the symptoms or anything, which would you have chosen if you had known that the latter was even an option? And 100% of the time when I've asked that question over the past 20 years, they are all vehemently saying that they would have chosen to go with, you know, planned food and not a synthetic hormone. And it's just really interesting. It's just really interesting, especially in the conversation of, you know, Women using their innate biology for peak productivity and creativity, I think that if they knew that synthetic hormones would also compromise their ability to tap into that, they would be really protective of their bodies. When we don't know how our systems work, it's so easy for us to unknowingly give our power away in ways that we're not realizing it, and medicating our hormonal biochemistry is definitely one of those ways.
0: Yeah, that it, like, disconnects that ability to become a power source and to tap into this innate superpower, which is our cyclical nature.
2: And I know that that can sound controversial because the pill has certainly been a part of women making the progress that they've had around controlling when and how they're having children.
1: Do you think possibly, like, using the pill or a synthetic thing like that is actually what... Is causing, because I've known, I mean, since we've had a baby, right? Mm. And then I've been in this, well, now I'm in my 30s, right? 34. And then, you know, as people started having kids in my generation of like my people I went to high school with, I've known a large percentage of them have been to fertility doctors because they can't get pregnant and stuff. I mean, there's that range can go, like, there's a variety of reasons, right? But, I'm wondering if, like, we're using these synthetic substances very early on because you mentioned this very briefly when your explanation is this screwing up. Like, it's screwing up natural cycles, right?
2: I mean, I think it's an unanswered question. What we do – this is what I'm saying. This putting young girls – so the pill was intended for, you know, originally, back when it was conceived of as an idea, was intended for, you know, married women – who were, you know, trying to not have their sixth or eighth baby in their marriage. You know. Yeah. And then, of course, quickly, applications for single women were adopted. But, you know, the difference today is twofold. One, we are living in much more of an endocrine disruptive environment with from everything from screen time, you know, depleting melatonin production which is a master regulating hormone in the cycle, by the way, to chemicals in the environment, pesticides in food. I talk about all of this in my book in the early chapters, just to lay it out for you why. And then also concurrently with this endocrine disruptive situation, more women are struggling with menstrual disturbances and infertility now than ever before. So there is something going on. And I think in terms of the pill, we are now using it in a way that it was not necessarily originally intended and on younger women where we haven't tested the long range effect on fertility and i think that that added into the mix of the endocrine disruptive chemicals and more genetically predisposed women for menstrual disturbances i do think that it could be a contributing factor to things like you know premature ovarian failure you know idiopathic infertility meaning no known cause but beyond that, whether or not we know the answers to that, the truth is, this is what I say about the pill in the book. I'm not here to bash the pill. <laughs> what I'm here to say is, if you have an underlying hormonal imbalance, meaning you observe your body to be having symptoms like major PMS, you know, any of the stuff that can happen during PMS, or you're having irregular cycles, or you're heavy bleeding, or you're major cramping, or you have a diagnosed condition like I had with polycystic ovarian syndrome, where You have fibroids. Which you you I have do want to come
0: back to that story. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, we are.
2: We're
1: making our way back.
2: <laughs> We're making our way back. But if you have one of those diagnosed conditions or you have symptoms or you see that you're struggling with your cycle, what I want you to know is that those symptoms and conditions are not intractable, meaning you can resolve them naturally, which is not information that you're being given, and that the only way forward is not to medicate it with synthetic hormone replacement and that the women who have these underlying symptoms and conditions actually are made worse by taking synthetic hormones. Again, I explain this in all the blogs and the book and just that the pill, any of these synthetic hormones depletes your body of B vitamins, of magnesium, of vitamin D3, it disrupts your microbiome, which contains one of the key bacteria that breaks down estrogen called the estrobolum. These micronutrients are required for you to have healthy hormonal productivity and function. If you are starting the pill with a place Mm. of being depleted and then you're on it for 10, 20 years and being further depleted and not realizing it, then you go off to have a baby and all of a sudden your system is just can't get back to a stasis where it can start to do the things that it would like to do. And keep in mind, I always say this when I teach people. Your sex drive, your fertility, and your cycle are not essential for life. Your brain, your heart function are, and your endocrine system is designed to protect glucose supply to the brain and the heart and the muscle tissue. And if you are disrupting its ability to do that, it will take away from non-essential functions, starting with sex drive, then fertility, and then the cycle. The cycle will go many girls experience when they do, let's say, extreme calorie restriction, how their period will disappear, right? It's just perfect example of how when there's not an abundance of micronutrients in the system, the body cannot be abundant in accessing the gifts of this sort of creation process that women are imbued with.
0: Yeah, because why would your body allow you to have a child if it senses that there's lack, like that's scary. So our bodies are beautifully designed to keep us from bringing children into the world when we don't have the resources to support them. At least it would appear so by, you know, restricting calories, or whatever we're doing. Okay, cool. So this is such great information. I find that most people don't know this. So I'm just really grateful that you're on the Brigade Telling people because they got to know. They just need to know. It's like about choices, right? You're not here bashing the pill, but it's no. if women knew what they're missing by medicating, they might make a different choice. So it's just about knowing your options on the buffet. Okay. Yeah. So back to you and your ovaries in high school. <laughs> what was happening?
2: Me and my ovaries. We've been through so much together. I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> You know, basically, well, you know, from 12 to 22, I didn't really have a period. You know, if I said I menstruated maybe a total of six times over that decade, that's about right. Some of those were chemically induced by synthetic progesterone and always miserable. You know, talk about PMS from hell. Anytime you take anyone who's ever had to do that to kickstart a cycle, it's brutal. <laughs> but yeah, And not knowing, and that whole time basically living with an undiagnosed menstrual disorder, which is pretty common to go anywhere from, you know, five years, five to seven years, sometimes 10, in the cases of PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, of not actually having a diagnosed condition. Which when you think about that, given that it's the year that it is in the 21st century, and how quick and efficient Western medicine is to diagnose just about everything else, fascinating, (laughs) fascinating that, you know, we are struggling to just get basic information about how our bodies are doing as women in this particular way. So that was definitely something that was working in my mind, which led me ultimately to the career choices that I made. But yeah, so I was struggling, I didn't have my period, I was gaining weight, like unstoppably, you know, by the time I reached my max weight, I was probably 210. And it wasn't like I was overeating. In fact, I remember I would struggle to wake up in the morning because I was struggling with so much insomnia. And then I wouldn't really eat until lunch. I'd have like a sandwich at lunch and then I wouldn't eat all day after that. And then I'd have dinner and I'd try to eat sensibly, you know, have an apple somewhere, you know, I wasn't overeating. It's just, I was so flooded with excess estrogen that it was Programming all my fat cells to like make more. (laughs) And I was just, you know, this is all just a hormonal issue. And all the insomnia was affecting my cortisol patterns. And that too was telling my body to store fat, you know. So then, because my blood sugar was so off and fat storage was so elevated, that was then sending signals it was disrupting ovulation patterns. so I wasn't ovulating. And because I was depleted in micronutrients, not realizing it due to some, you know, food sensitivities that I wasn't aware of, I wasn't able to make enough progesterone as well to sort of have a normal cycle. And these are the sort of root causes of, you know, how PCOS works, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So at some point I was at Hopkins studying on my way to I was always passionate about women's health, probably pretty much from that day in sex ed class in sixth grade. And I very clearly was on the plan to become an OBGYN. That was the goal. And so I was at Hopkins pursuing that goal. And I just was so miserable in my body. It was so much like depression and anxiety and feeling very old. When you're carrying a lot of excess weight, the inflammation in your body actually ages you. So I felt decades older than my age and just was so trapped in it you know so I was constantly doing research trying to figure out what it was that I had because I was religious about going to the gynecologist I mean the rule is like 16 or sexually active right and I was like okay I'm 16 now because I wasn't sexually active prior to I was like okay do I in time you know I couldn't wait and it was you know every year on the dot they let me go And and why is this happening and what's wrong and everyone basically was like, oh, let's just put you on the pill. Let's just put you on the pill. I was like, why do I need to take that? You know, what's the point of that? Anyway, so one night in the library, I was just awake as usual and wanted to figure out what was wrong. So I was scanning through obstetrics journals because that's what you do when you're
1: twenty one <laughs> Right. And yeah. a nerd. Totally normal. <laughs> normal. Yeah. What, normal. That was my college experience. <laughs>
2: Oh, Hopkins is a special place. I remember when I graduated, there's a level on the library called D level that is like, cause the library, so no buildings at Hopkins can be higher than Gilman tower on the campus. So the library is massive, but it's subterranean and the lowest level is D level. And the joke was like, you know, if you made it down to D level, you might not make it out. (laughs) So I remember on graduation, looking around being like, who are all these people that I'm graduating with? I'm like, oh, these are the D-level people that never were
0: outside of the library. That's so funny.
2: (laughs) Anyway, I tried to stay out of (laughs) D-level. I haven't thought about that in years. So anyway, I was looking in the obstetrics journal and I was, you know, I saw this little article about a study done by these two physicians, Dr. Stein and Dr. Leventhal, and they were talking about anovulatory cycles and, you know, androgenization, which means like more male hormone effects on a female body. And I was reading through it and they're listing the classic presentation of this disorder that they named after themselves, Stein-Leventhal disease. And I'm looking at the list and I'm like, check, 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 up you know, all the bells are ringing. I'm like, this is me. This is me. This is what I have. So I destroyed library property and went to my, I waited in the parking lot of my gynecologist's office the next morning. And she's literally walking in with her keys and her coffee. And I'm like, I didn't like jump out of the bushes, but I definitely startled her. (laughs) I was like, hi, look what I found. And she's like, Oh, good morning. I said, listen, no one's given me a transvaginal ultrasound. I'm not leaving here until you do it for me. And I know that I don't have an appointment, but I need to know because this has been really running and ruining my health for so long now. And she's like, of course, you know, come in. We did the test. She said, look at that. Your ovary is covered in little tiny cysts. You're right. You have diagnosed yourself correctly with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Come back into my office after you get dressed. So sit there super, you know, we're from New England, Kate, right? There's something really like practical about the, something in the water makes us very like, okay, okay, great. So I wasn't upset. I didn't have like an emotional reaction about having pizza. I was like, now what? Now we know, now we can do something. Let's do it. What are we doing? You know, and she said some really uh, astonishing things to me in that moment. She said, you know, you will continue to struggle with obesity. It's very likely you'll end up diabetic We'll have to watch you for heart disease and cancer, and of course, it's very unlikely that you'll be able to have children by natural means or even artificial means.
1: Nice doctors—they're always the face of positivity. Wow,
2: (laughs) she was just presenting the the current thinking on PCOS, right? And still, frankly, honestly, yeah,
0: right, totally.
2: You know, so. I remember taking that in and just thinking and, she, and I said, so what do you suggest that we do to not have those BD outcomes? And she said, well, we can put you on the pill and we can put you on metformin and we can put you on spironolactone and we can put you on all these medications and more down the road. Like when it comes time for baby making, we can put you on Clomid or we could do IVF or we could, you know, and then we'll keep medicating you as things crop up. So it wasn't just that I was given the choice like, oh, the solution for your PCOS is like just take the pill and go have a nice life. It was, listen, this is the beginning of a downward spiral of you getting worse and being on multiple pharmaceutical substances to just have some semblance of normality. And then I asked a really, for me, life-changing question. I said, okay, will any of these medications fix what's wrong? And she said, no, absolutely not. None of them will fix you. You're unfixable. And I was like, that can't be true. I was like, I'm a smart enough cookie to know that that is just not biologically sound. So I said, all right, I'm going to go take my super expensively trained mind here and I'm going to go do some (laughs) more research. Yeah. You know, certain pride science person from Hopkins. I'm like, I'm going to go (laughs) try. Let me just try. And she's like, all right, but I'm here. You know, when you're ready for the pill, like, you know, I'm here. So I apprenticed with this particular naturopath for about, I want to say, six months. And, you know, God bless the man. He tried. At that time, there was this famous candida book that was really the thing that was on everybody's mind. So he basically was just saying, you have candida and that's the deal. So he had me on this really intense elimination diet. He had me drinking carrot juice yeah. everything with like a i mean i used to call it pond scum like it was a chlorella spirulina Ew. and stuff so i would be drinking oddly colored deeply green pond scum looking like carrot juice for breakfast that was it that was all i was allowed for breakfast every day for 6 months and other ridiculous things that he was having me do supplements i mean so much intense stuff with the supplements and after six months, the only thing that was different was that my skin had turned orange. Sure. Whoa. And I was, I, I remember this because my best friend, Yelena, who you know from yes. my thing, and you know, she's pretty to the point. So she just grabbed me one day, we were getting ready for some event, and she's like, would you just look at yourself? She, like, she grabbed me by the shoulders and pushed me in front of a mirror. She's like, you've turned orange, kid. Like. <laughs> this is really not going well. And I was like, I'm committed to this experiment. You know, just like, I was just, I knew, I mean, listen, I wasn't, I, it's obvious I could see it myself. Yeah. I was so desperate to have yeah. some shift in my symptomology that I was like, listen, I'm still on this experiment until I'm not. But she brought up something to me, which is like, all right, well, this isn't working. Yeah. So, all right. So it wasn't working and I was getting worse. And I said, you know what? Let me do another experiment. Let me experiment with the pill. Uh huh. So I went back to the gynecologist and I said, can me experiment with the pill? She was like, okay, great. <laughs> so happy about that. So I went on the pill for 12 days, day 10. Now I was somebody who was exercising a lot and you know, I, I used to sing whatever, not professionally, but like I, I did a lot of like operatic training. I sang choir and I had all this, you know, ability to hold a lot of air in yeah. my lungs. And- and anyway, whenever I would be doing elliptical, even though I was like really heavy, I could still sing the whole time I was doing it. Right. Yeah. Within the first week, anytime I'd be working out, I would be short of breath. Wow. It was my first sign five days into trying this pill experiment. And then on the 12th day I woke up and I couldn't see out of my left eye. I was Whoa. trying to get, And I was getting ready and I was like, what? You know, I kept like, blinking one eye to the other. And I was like, what's going on? And I wasn't afraid. I was just like, huh, okay. I said, maybe some fresh air will help. (laughs) You know, sort of in a slight panic. So I walked outside and the air just, I could see the water moving across my eye, but I couldn't still see anything. So then I said, oh, I'm having a, I've never had migraines before, but I knew a little bit about them. I was like, oh, I think I'm about to have a migraine. And about 20 minutes later, the vision came back in my left eye, but then on the right side of my head, it was like somebody oh. stuck an ice pick into the right side of my head. I was like, okay, I'm going to the ER because I'm short of breath and I'm having, so this is all cardiovascular stuff. So went to the ER. They're like, yeah, you need to be no more synthetic hormone for you. And, you know, never again, because it's toxic for your system. Wow. And then, of course, I was very curious about, am I unique? Am I special that I had such a strong reaction to synthetic hormone replacement? And I was really grateful to have done that experiment because it informed even more so why this is such a problematic option for yeah. women who are struggling, because the fact of the matter is there are a lot of negative side effects of taking synthetic hormone replacement, including death, stroke, heart attack, yeah, flots, et cetera. And there's a woman who put together a really comprehensive book. Her name is Holly Grigsball. She wrote a book called Sweetening the Pill. Ricky Lake actually optioned the book. And she's producing a documentary of which I am featured, you know, telling that story and also just telling the story about the work that I do to help women transition off the pill and to just get healthy by the food-based protocol that I then, you know, created. So, you know, that was sort of the early experience was seeing that just trying to eat healthy foods in excess does not address endocrine dysfunction and also that pharmaceuticals were really a bad thing and i then said okay what can i do how can i approach this problem in a new way and i was looking at i was looking at the circadian rhythms of the body i was looking at the endocrine system and hormonal patterns and i was looking at five phase chinese element theory And I was looking at some of the research that was coming out of the Human Genome Project, specifically around epigenetics and what triggers genes to switch on and off in disease states. And what they had discovered, and this was like groundbreaking news 20 years ago, was that they studied identical twins. And they said, why is it that one twin will end up with cancer or other issues and the other twin is perfectly fine? If they are genetically identical, that should not be happening. And that's when this whole conversation of epigenetics, this little protein structure, kind of like the fascia that wraps your bones and muscles together. It's like a protein structure, ghost-like protein structure that wraps around your genes, your DNA. And depending on food factors and lifestyle factors, that protein will constrict or expand around different sets of genes, turning them on or off, creating disease or health. And that, to me was like the big breakthrough in my thinking. Because I said, okay, if that's working on the microscopic level of gene function, then certainly manipulating food in a particular sequence is going to be able to manipulate the function of your glands in the endocrine system. And that was sort of what I did to kind of pull this all together. And the flow protocol was born. And I, of course, put myself through it. And within six months, lost 60 pounds Wow! and my period came back and I have had a regular ovulation and menstrual cycle ever since going on 17 years now was able to conceive my first child at the maternally advanced age of 37 naturally at home on the third try and had a very healthy pregnancy and you know have been breastfeeding her <laughs> which I've got to stop but we're, we're down to one time a day but you know She's almost three, right? So that's another issue with PCOS women is they have insufficient mammary gland tissue uh-huh. and have struggles with breastfeeding. And so the fact that I can say that I've been breastfeeding my daughter almost to the point that she's three is a testament to what the body can do when you feed it properly from a hormonal point of view. So that's my story from beginning to end. And, the other, and one other thing that happened along the way was just recognizing that there's way more going on here with hormones than just either having symptoms or not. And I know we're about to get into that. <laughs>
1: right. You did all this while you're still in college?
2: I began the research process the last year I was in college. And then I sought out other training programs after functional nutrition primarily. I made a decision that, you know, 20 years ago, functional medicine was not the thing that it is today. There were no training programs, there was nothing. So I was very clear, however, that I didn't want to become a gynecologist at that point, because I thought, if I have had access to, and while I was growing up in Massachusetts, I was seeing Harvard-trained gynecologists, then I was at Hopkins, seeing Hopkins-trained gynecologists, which is, you know, by anyone's standard of medical training, access to the best of the best in Western medicine and none of them diagnosed me, and none of them had a path forward for me. I thought, how am I gonna care for women now that I am a woman who is struggling with these issues? And in my research, was able to see that there were multiple millions of women struggling with PCOS and fibroids. One out of two people have thyroid breakdown in their life. I mean, we're talking about major, major segments of the population. And I just looked at that, not realizing that I guess I had an entrepreneurial spirit inside of me. And I just said, there should be a solution here. There should be something for people like me, for women like me who have chronic hormonal and menstrual issues. There should be a place that's easily accessible, that doesn't have a high hurdle to get access to, that there should be some way. Totally. I didn't have the answer to what that was for at least another decade, but I... Then so I got my functional nutrition degree and then I opened up a clinical practice in the city and just saw patients one-on-one for a decade oh. and just treated them directly myself and put the flow protocol, you know, through the paces, you know, basically continuing my research exactly, and making sure that this would work for everyone. And it didn't just work for women with PCOS. It worked for women with fibroids, ovarian cysts, endometriosis. I loved being able to tell women that they could put their endometriosis into remission with right. food. I mean, because for them they hear quite the opposite and it's so painful. It's so debilitating. Lena Dunham is a very outspoken for endo. And so just providing them with an alternate reality that these things can get better if you know what to do. And there's a very simple path to follow and that it just works each and every time. So then at some point I thought this was probably back around the time that you and I met or maybe sooner after or Something around that time. The decades are rolling by, but I said to myself, you know, this internet thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was about that time that you were beginning to get this work so that women all over the world could access it.
2: I thought this was before telemedicine was a thing. I just saw it coming. I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we could leverage this technology to reach more women? Because I was getting inundated with women from different time zones and geographies, and I couldn't be up at all hours Mm. treating patients. And I thought there's got to be a way to leverage technology here for a better solution. And so the Flow Living Virtual Hormone Center was born, and we launched in March of 2012. I built a custom you know, educational video platform was again none of that was happening in two thousand ten and eleven and and launched the monthly flow program at that time and you know we've just been really happily taking care of like tens of thousands of women around the world. Our little internal tagline is, you know, if you have an ovary and an internet connection, we can help you. <laughs>
0: You love that so you
2: know, much. If there's something going on with your period, we can help you with that. Oh, and and it's, it's just such a joy to be able to bring this like good news to women around the world. Like, you know, whatever you're dealing with can get better.
0: Let's. So the good news is whatever you're dealing with hormonally can get better and it doesn't require medication. And so the monthly flow program, you know, I highly recommend you check it out. And we do have a link. You can go to katenorthup.com forward slash flow, f l o. And you can check that out. Now, let's say you're a woman like me who has not struggled hormonally, right? So, or, so either A or B. A, you're a woman like me who has, I mean, you know, I've had my issues, but like generally speaking, I have not been having endocrine issues my whole life. Or B, you are a woman who has gone through the monthly flow protocol and is now experiencing a healthy endocrine system that now... Like, from this point forward, this is the part that I get really excited about. Now, obviously, because my own personal story is not having, like, massive endocrine issues, but I know so many women who have, and so I'm so glad that your work exists. To basically fix it so that then you can really become a power source. So can you talk about, like, basically the concept of cycle syncing and what that's all about and how you can use it to become a power source?
2: Yeah, I love all the things that you just said. You know, nature is a bell curve, right? And so on the vast majority of women will be under the bell, the dome of the bell, where they will be experiencing things like PMS and some sort of other situation. And then there's some women on the outlying edge that have extreme dysfunction. And then there are the other side of the spectrum where you'll have no symptoms. But Even when I talk to women who say that they've had no symptoms, when I say, okay, so any PMS? And they're like, oh, well, yeah. Right. Yeah, I had PMS. And I just want to pause there. So, A, did you have PMS? Honestly, no. Good. Okay, good. I mean,
0: I have like the tiniest bit of cramping on day one. But that's and, normal. OK, that's normal. so yeah, that's I think normal. that's normal. I'm one of the other extremes. You're
2: one of the few. Yeah, yeah, that happens and that exists. And so, for example, in your situation, I would say you would be someone who could safely go on and off the pill if you ever wanted to use it for birth. control, uh, yeah, Which I know I that won't. you don't. But but no, that's actually that's, that's cool to know. That's right. I'm saying but I won't. I, I'm not here being dogmatic. I'm just yeah, here saying, let's, let's just look at biology. Let's just look at the facts and let's make the right decisions for each individual based on what's going on for them. But anyway, so I was surprised to see that women didn't identify PMS as a hormonal problem. Right. It's
0: been so normalized that, right, because in our culture, the period is called the curse, which is like such bullshit. So it's been so normalized that it's problematic. And so we think, oh, I don't have an issue. It is problematic, but that's just normal. I love that you're saying it's not normal for your period to be problematic.
2: Well, I think we should be cautious about normal, not normal. Okay, I think good. the word normalized is very important. I would say that
0: Maybe it's not healthy. What how would you say it? It's
2: common. It's for common. Women, okay. For yeah. women to experience PMS, but that doesn't mean that that is what your biology is intending for you. Okay, good. I like that. Your hormones are intending for you to be symptom-free all month long. Period.
0: Mm. Your hormones are on your side.
2: They love you so much. Yeah, right. (laughs) They really do. They want you to shine. They want you to thrive.
0: Yeah, your hormones want you to be healthy and happy.
2: Yeah, that's their job. Their job is to make you have energy, to make you feel passionate about things. They have really a cool – you have a really cool set of tools there for you with hormones. But PMS, just thinking about – just here for a second – the National Institute of Health published a study a decade ago called the BioCycle study and in this groundbreaking study it demonstrated that PMS untreated in the reproductive years increases by half the likelihood that you will end up with the big four diseases of inflammation postmenopausally that those are heart disease cancer diabetes dementia. And when I think about all the PMS jokes that go down between women and over cocktails, or even between men and men and men and women about this myth of PMS, having been normalized, as you so perfectly stated, I just say, it isn't funny at all. Once you know the study that, you know, instead you would grab a person that you cared about who was lamenting about PMS and say, oh my God, you've got to take action right away. What are you doing about that? Yes. What are and you to doing know
0: that, that there's something you can do about it. Like, that's what's so beautiful for that doctor to say you're unfixable and for you to have the wisdom internally at the age of 20 or 21 to be like, no, nope, I think I am. Like, that's pretty amazing, Elisa.
2: Thanks, love. Yeah. I love you too. Yeah, you
0: came in with some <laughs> big ovaries. I love that about you. <laughs>
2: But And so that's the mission that we're up to at the Flow Living Hormone Center, that we don't want there to be mythology. Like there's some really set, I've identified like five or six pretty consistent period hormone mythology pieces that really hold us back from taking action. This PMS one is a great example of a pretty powerful one. Because when you believe that you should be suffering, you then don't do anything about it. And you decide that instead you should be accepting what is, which is Unfortunate use of your time. And that then there should be a place where you can get information about how your body works and how to care for it properly from a hormonal standpoint. And that there should be a healthcare, something, something in healthcare that allows women to have easily accessible, universally affordable, real hormone support for real menstruating women. I mean, that is really the mission of Flow Living. That's what we do all day long. And I'm just so passionate about women everywhere having this baseline of undoing the things that they've been learning about their periods that are holding them back, getting the right support that they need, and being able to access it. Because unfortunately, a lot of functional medicine is still very expensive. I remember feeling that as well when I was going through it. Like, gosh, the thousands of dollars that my mom is spending to help me try to get some resolution... What if you couldn't afford exactly. that? Mm-hmm. It's too, the barrier is too high. So, you know, we've never changed the price of our program for monthly flow since we launched. Just I love that. The way because it's got to be affordable. I want every woman. And why? Because, and this goes back to your question, the other thing that as I was deepening my research into the hormones of the cycle and the cycle patterns, it just started smacking me in the face that there was, you know, a greater Wisdom imbued in the cycle that it isn't just about the ovulatory, it isn't just about the physical functional process. Yeah, that there's something greater here that we could maybe use the word that there's something energetic Mm -hmm. here as well. And I thought, well, gee, you can't have a chance because I didn't for a decade have any of this going on. And I really profoundly felt the shift in my being when my period and my endocrine system came back online, you know, having a decade of foggy headedness and never being able to finish anything. Like I was a constant starter, but never a finisher. And all of this makes biochemical sense now in retrospect, and then fixing myself hormonally. And then the floodgates of my creativity and productivity opening, I was like, my God, you know, what a gift, what a gift this is to us as women. So, the fourth step of the protocol is this thing called cycle thinking, because after you do the first three steps, which are really like triage, cleaning up all the root causes of endocrine dysfunction and supporting its function and system, I said, well, I need, I need a way forward that's going to keep my body working. And I thought, well, there's no better pattern available to me than the actual cyclical pattern itself. And it dawned on me that there should be specific foods that I'm highlighting each week to offset, let's say, excess levels of estrogen or low levels of hormones, right, to compensate, to seek to smooth out the experience from a micronutrient standpoint, to keep any potential symptoms from relapsing. Because just notice I use the word remission and not cure, because you put this into remission, but I am fully aware that if I started eating the things that I know not to eat, That I should expect to see some symptoms return. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's just pretty standard of how the body is. So I wanted a maintenance path, right? A maintenance plan. And so I started manipulating that. And then I said, oh, also, the hormones of your cycle dictate a lot about muscle gain and stamina and, you know, cortisol patterns. So actually, I should also be shifting the way that I'm exercising each week of the cycle. This is all very well researched and documented that there are, for example, in the first half of the cycle, it's better for you to be doing more higher intensity training and in the second half of the cycle, you know, more body-based resistance kind of exercise. So it really is about working smarter. That like alone is major groundbreaking because think about how many women are Devoted consumers of the health and wellness industry. Oh, yeah. And outside of the flow protocol and the cycle sinking piece of the protocol, there is no diet or exercise plan or anything that is predicated on a woman's actual biochemistry. Right. No, it's are- all
0: based on trying to flatten us out and make us the same every single day, which is ridiculous. Which,
2: well, it's ridiculous in light of the fact that we are That cyclical. we aren't <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. men, men over 28 days and men are cyclical over 24 hours. And all diet and sports sort of theory is predicated on that 24 hour male hormonal experience. Mm-hmm. And that's why I find that it is so essential for women to have this like awakening that you are cyclical. Yes but over 28 days. And you should not be eating and exercising in a way that is the same day in and day out. But men should.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So interesting. Can you talk more about that on the guy's perspective?
2: For sure. What would you like to know? A little bit more about yourself? Yeah. Okay. Let me give it to you. (laughs) you, Because I
1: told my buddy, I think the last time you and Kate talked for the Maven Masterclass, yeah. Yeah, and in And she said – she talked about a little about this. So I was with my buddy and we were talking about this. And I said, that's the billion-dollar business right there. It's like figure out how to track a guy's cycle because women naturally already have this happening. And I said, men, if we can figure out how to do that, I said, that's a billion-dollar company because of all the biohacking and all that stuff that takes place just to like get more productivity per day. Yeah.
2: I mean I think – there's a ton of people in the space like Tim Ferriss and Dave Asprey, who are really great representatives of the fact that they understand what these patterns are. And they are trying to extend their productivity cycles throughout the day because they are very finite. So you guys, you know, manufacture all the testosterone you're going to have access to the following day while you're sleeping, which is also something really interesting because you think of this like, I'm going to call it, well, low T phenomenon that is happening now that you see a lot of commercials for right. like low T and the bioidentical creams for men. And it's very dangerous. And just like synthetic hormone is toxic for women, you know, men can have heart attack and stroke from taking the tea, low T tea stuff. The reason why men are struggling with andropause and more significant experience of andropause, which by the way, starts at 25 for guys and perimenopause starts at 35 for women. And it is a 10 to 20-year process, should be 20, can be accelerated by poor nutrition and lifestyle choices. And you what is can excel- andropause? Andropause is the slight decrease in production of your testosterone. Okay. And perimenopause is the slow increase in the production of follicular stimulating hormones such that your ovary then stops ovulating. And that should take 20 years so that you have almost no major, you know, breakdown in terms of symptoms, similarly with men. But if a man knew that at 25, this was beginning, here's what you guys would do. You would protect your sleep like wolves. You would be like, I'm going to bed. (laughs) I am not missing my testosterone production time. Thank you very much. See you tomorrow. (laughs) Instead, unfortunately, most men are burning the candles at both ends and staying up late and not making enough testosterone. And then you wake up right? Not with enough. And then you start to think to yourself, gee, why I'm working out at the gym. Why aren't my muscles as defined as they were when I was 16? Or gee, I want to be interested in sex, but I'm just not. Or, you know, you have different experiences of how the lack of testosterone, sufficient testosterone production will affect you. Certainly, will affect your moods as well, making you feel a little bit more depressed and anxious and foggy headed, too. So men are very hormonal as well. And that's another thing that I think is so important. We're all hormonal people (laughs) in just very specific ways. So anyway, that's one important thing. And then you wake up with this like burst of testosterone and cortisol. So This is why it's very recommended for men to like work out first thing in the morning because you have access to the most charge in your battery to do cardio, to do strength training, to be active. It's the best time to do it or to have sex, right? I don't have to talk to men about morning wood. They know that exists, but that exists because of the testosterone situation, right? So Interesting. I'll talk about the best time of day for couples to have sex, heterosexual couples to have sex, because there is a shift in the male hormonal pattern at the sort of around three o'clock. So you, you have this big burst of testosterone cortisol early in the morning. Then you get another kind of nice surge of cortisol. Testosterone remains nice and steady for you till about three o'clock, it starts to dip off. And then cortisol as well starts to dip off at that time. And estrogen starts to rise at that time, just ever so slightly. So around three o'clock is the ideal time for couples to be having sex. Because now, of course, there's a, I go deeper into, well, well, which phase of the cycle for a woman is that most yeah, orgasmic right. and explosive? And I but,
0: do, just to make sure we yeah. get it in there, I want to make sure that the women listening know that they can get access to this information on a daily basis from their phone on the MyFlow app. M-Y-F-L-O. Oh, yes, right. I just With want to that. make sure I mention it because it's been really helpful for me because it gets these little, it's the only functional medicine endocrine app period tracker, but it, it's so much more than that. Like it tells you what kind of sex might be helpful during the different phases, which exercises, what types of food. And then my favorite is of course, what kind of activities from a business perspective or from a sort of work perspective to be focused on during each of the phases. So I just wanted to make sure People know that. And then it has this handy feature where you can type in your partner's email address and he'll get or she will get the dossier of what would be most beneficial to support you in the different phases of your cycle as a woman. So just that's where you'll find that information as well, obviously, as in Elisa's book, Woman Code. But get the app.
2: Yeah. I mean, the app was created because people were looking at chapter five, the chart in chapter five of woman code and saying, can you please turn this cycle syncing information? Because yeah, I can't an app carry this book. around. I can't carry the book around with me. I can't <laughs> I don't want to rip out the page or I yeah. need a better way to like cycle sync. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to build a period tracking app, it also needs to fix your symptoms the more you use it. And it also needs to really help you cycle sync. I really wanted to put women in their own biological paradigm in their day-to-day planning and experience, and there's no better way to do that than by cycle seeking. And men are doing this by default. Even though, Mike, you might not know all the ins and outs of these hormonal patterns for you as a male, you are catering, and not just you, society is catering to your 24-hour biochemical pattern. And What's really interesting about biohacking, biohacking exists because around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you experience a definitive shift in your ability to concentrate and have energy and be interested in let's say sex right so that's where like nootropics come in and which are like these like you know brain focus extension type of things and you know give me
1: crazy headaches i've tried all this stuff
2: yeah personally i think you can do a lot more with food and catering to your hormonal patterns right because you know if i look at the cycle the four phases of the cycle right which we talk about in cycle thinking as like a there's the initiation phase, there's the you know, collaboration phase, there's the completion phase, there's the evaluation phase, right? That applies to you as a man, certainly, yeah. but within a 24-hour context. Mm, got it. And if you think about corporate America, right, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to get to work early, start your work, then you're supposed to go and have lunch meetings or breakfast meetings or the pub early, right? If you're in the UK and do that community building collaboration kind of stuff. And then you got to get things done and then you got to, you know, wrap it up and think about how you did and evaluate and start all over the next day. It's already baked in right. to the corporate experience it's already there. So it's just about you recognizing that you need earlier rest as a man earlier in the day. Like you need to slow it down around mm-hmm. eight o'clock and start to wind things down and really be done. Yeah. And be introspective. Let that be your introspective phase of the day where you're thinking, how'd today go? What were my wins today? What worked for me today? What didn't work for me today? What do I want to shift for tomorrow? Because you reset the clock every 24 hours. We reset the clock every month. So in cycle thinking, I teach women to, you know, spend that first week after the bleed is over. Like project planning and starting things and like trying new things, and then you know, et cetera, et cetera. By the next bleed, that's when you would be evaluating how did this month go? Yeah, how am I feeling? You know, in the app, I encourage you to do a little like evaluation of the different aspects of your life, like you know, how's it going with your self care this month? How's it going with relationships? How's it going with work? How's it going with your you know, diet? What's you know, symptoms? Let your body give you that biofeedback through the vehicle of your hormonal symptoms that is trying to do and take stock and then use that information to fuel your next set of planning. It's such
0: a beautiful, I have found this structure around paying attention to my cycle, literally for the first time in my life, really. I mean, I was one of those women who would be like, oh, oops, I just got my period. Does anyone have a tampon? Like, it would just be like, oh, where'd that come from? Hello, like I'm 13. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but It's
1: been... Tra- it yes, still happens.
0: It was sometimes,
1: but... <laughs> Remember on the road trip or our travels, the amount of yes. tampons that you would end up... Yes. We would bring on every trip. Anyway,
0: now I'm a much bigger fan of the thinks Period underwear. I'm just putting that out there. And also the Diva Cup. But so I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing. I wish we could talk hormones all day, and I want you to come to Maine so we can do that. And definitely get Elisa's book, Woman, well, code. On. I'm oh, not done. You I know. Like, we, I'm so sorry. Oh, we, gotta, we just – this end. is, like, so good, but we oh. just have to wrap it up. I'm not done either. I have a 100 million more questions to ask. Fine. I do want to say one thought. thing, what
2: you, what you just said, which is that, you know, you yourself were kind of, you know, had this blind spot about your cycle and your period. And I think that's so common that, you know, of course, like, if you're not told that, you know, that these are useful things that are happening in your body, that the best way to be – is kind of how you were describing, like, oh, I'm just not paying attention to it and then, oh, you know, I'm getting my period, whatever. That's like honestly what I would say is like the most typical like response that women have to their biology, which is, let me just ignore it and give it like a very light kind of interaction and kind of as if it's not happening. Right. And that's a nice way of me saying we're in denial that these are things happening, right? And I think that it's so profound when you then get this information. I like to call it the reorientation, right? You then can reclaim what's yours, which is that you are a powerful creator because this thing about the cycle and these things that we just began talking about, which yes, I'm happy to come back if you want, is really the creation matrix. It's how things get done. It's how nature brings things to life and that nature of things being brought to life is inside of you as a woman because of your hormones not in spite of your hormones. You are not powerful in spite of your hormones. You are powerful because of them and learning about them and tapping into this cyclical pattern and planning your life around them and making this the paradigm by which you base your interaction with the world around you is the way that you can tap into this power.
0: And I just have to say, I mean, I got my period back. This is my testimonial. I got my period back after Penelope was born, a year after she was born. So September 2016. And within two months, because I actually started paying attention for the first time, and within two months, I had the best idea, business-wise, of my life. And within six months after that, we launched, and it is our origin community. And it's like, from a business perspective, it's the greatest, I'm the most proud of it. I feel the most sourced energetically. It's easy, it's in flow. And I feel like I found, you know, I really found like my life's work, at least for now, because I always entertained the option to change my mind. But for now, for sure. And I do believe that that came from the experience of not only giving birth and realizing how powerful I am, as a female, but then tapping into this very direct experience in a predictable 28 day cycle of my own creative power. And I have a lot of you to thank for that. So thank you, Elisa. Oh,
2: it's my pleasure. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I would just love to see a world where Each of us as a gender are really just embracing our nature and catering to it. Like, you know, we see men doing it. We should do it, too. You know, this is not about bashing or anything. It's just you have this, too. They have it, too. They're using it. Let's use it. Let's use it. Use it. Let's Let's just be (laughs) be gloriously different and equal.
0: Yes. Gloriously different and equal. Thank you beautiful thank you so thank you for joining us this was such a pleasure i learned new things i always learn new things when i talk to you check out elisa's book woman code check out katenorthup.com forward slash flow if you think the monthly flow program might be right for you and of course flowliving.com is the place to find all things elisa all things hormonal brilliance and health i love you love you guys bye